this morning is Psalm 125. Uh, you may find it on page 623. <coughs> Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous, for then the righteous might use their hands to do evil. Lord, do good to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart. But to those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with the evildoers. Peace be on Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Psalm 125. Is John Hooper here? <laughs> Best dressed man in the building. <laughs> we have a little competition. Um, I don't often win. <laughs> uh, Psalm 125. It's been wonderful to go through the Psalms uh, this summer. Uh, and I've got to say that I struggle with the Psalms. I probably find them the least accessible book of the Bible. Uh, and it, that's strange because I love music and I love really deep lyrics. Like, there's this famous, I'm still, it's 20 years, I'm still trying to work it out. Like a bird on a wire, like a drunk in a midnight choir. I've tried in my life to be free. What's that all about? <laughs> that's Leonard Cohen. I don't believe in magic. Life is automatic, but I'm all right because I'm on my own. Oasis. I'm surprised with some of you. <laughs> so, music's great. However, I've preached in this church for about 15, 20 years, and I don't think I've ever preached in the Psalms. I might have done one and struggled. <laughs> uh, when I got given this passage, I thought, oh, how many bullets do I have to dodge before one actually hits me? And, and I've got a psalm. I like theology. I like, give me a story to tell. Give me some great, deep theological exegesis from Paul, and I'll love it. Give me a piece of poetry, if that's not too crude a way of putting it, and I'm like, where do I go from here? They're difficult for me, and I, I'm sure some of you might sympathise. You know, they're, they're full of metaphors and similes and allegories. And I think one of the hardest things is that when we have other passages like stories from the Gospels or um, epistles, there's an argument going on, or some of the history books, that's all about context. And you build context before you, you actually try and understand the text. And it's difficult with the Psalms because they're not objective, they're 
subjective. They're, they're, there's someone's feelings and someone's thoughts and the tenses all change all the time. So context is really difficult to find in a lot of the Psalms. However, the Psalms that we've been studying are the songs of a sense. The songs that the pilgrims used as they walked to Jerusalem um, to uh, worship God. Now then, just a little explanation about slides. If you want to play word bingo, that's on this side. <laughs> uh, and that, that's word clouds lifted directly from my uh, script. Uh, and that's a picture of the temple. And we had a brilliant uh, scene setting last week from uh, Steve, who really did set the context and set the scene about what's going on in the temple. You've got the courtyard of the Gentiles, you've got the inner courtyard, and then that building there, the Holies of Holies. It's only open once a year, Day of Atonement, and it's closed, and it's the very living embodiment or presence of God on earth in the Old Testament, right there, the Holies of Holies. And kept in there would have been the Ten Commandments and all the ancient sort of artefacts um, of the Jewish nation. So we've had this brilliant scene set and I've struggled and prepared and I thought I'm not going to come out with very much this week, but I hope you've all had your breakfast. Because <laughs> it might be a long one. <laughs> it won't be, but it, it, it's, it's reflections. So these Psalms are sent a brilliant. And in this Psalm today, what I want to look at is support, what supports us, what supports this temple, what surrounds us, and what surrounds Mount Zion. I want us to consider the security that we find in, in this temple, in this psalm, in the light of Christ. Because whenever we hear the um, term Israel in these psalms, or my chosen people, or my beloved, think references like that, in the light of Christ, we can replace that for the word church. And in the light of Christ, we can replace words like Israel with your own names, individuals, because these are psalms for us, uh, and we can draw upon them. So, context. What do we know? Well, first of all, we know that the pilgrims and they're travelling to Jerusalem. And I get a sense, if you read this psalm, and many of them, um, that they're not quite at Jerusalem yet. They can see Jerusalem uh, and Mount, uh, and it's not very clear in the picture, but that's Temple Mount, Mount Zion there. Uh, they can see it in the distance, you know. And some of the time, I lift my eyes up to the mountains, and that's the scene uh, as they approach Jerusalem on this pilgrimage. Uh, and there's four characteristics in this psalm, four names for the people of God. Okay, the first one is that they're called the righteous. They're called the good. They're called the, those with upright hearts. 
and the called Israel collectively. And these pilgrims are in the promised land, the land allotted to God's people. They're in a nation that's functioning according to the law of Moses. And there's this splendid temple right there in the centre, the living presence of God is with them, with God's people. But also, there's this dark cloud in this psalm. There's that expression, the scepter of wickedness is over the nation. A scepter is like a symbol of authority. I kind of think, um, you think about the mace that sits in front of the speaker in the House of Commons, that symbol of governance and authority. And there's this scepter of wickedness hanging over the nation. So despite Israel functioning as Israel should do, uh, according to the law of Moses and temple being there, it seems that some of God's chosen people uh, have become wicked or have changed their ways. And there's a real temptation for the righteous to follow suit because it's pervasive. So as you can see, this psalm's contextually loaded and it's about to explode. There's a lot going on in this psalm. So let's start. The Lord who supports. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. And we'll just look back. Mount Zion is built on a rock. Okay, the temple sorry, is built on Mount Zion, and Mount Zion is a rock. It's a massive rock. It's not valley, it's not grassland, it's a rock, and it's solid, and it supports this temple. It's bedrock, solid bedrock. And the psalmist uses a metaphor here. It says that Mount Zion, this solid rock, is like those who trust in the Lord. Us. We cannot be shaken. Does that pan out in my life? Maybe not. But maybe I need to trust in the Lord more. Because when we trust, we cannot be shaken. Just like Mount Zion, that rock and the temple that sits on it, cannot be shaken. To trust in God makes you kind of unmovable. And and, and I love how this verse ends, because it reminds me of that eternal nature of God. Okay, that... We will not be shaken despite hard times. If we trust in God, we will endure. And we will endure forever. Because God is eternal. 
Um, there's that symbol for eternity, isn't there? You know that one? If you're a scientist or an engineer? Yeah? Uh, uh, the, the Christian symbol for eternity actually is three leaves. It's like a Celtic knot. Um, you might have seen it before. It's got three leaves and it's, it's an eternal sort of set of circles or semicircles and it represents the Holy Spirit, God the Father and God the Son. Now, God is eternal and those who trust in God can be assured of his support eternally, forever. And that's tremendously encouraging for us as Christians. So the second thing is the Lord who surrounds. Verse 2, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the mountains surround his people, both now and forevermore. Again, let's look at that uh, picture here. Uh, Just looking from one angle uh, over Jerusalem and the surrounding hills, there's mountain after mountain after mountain after mountain. It's a very rocky place, it's a very hilly place, it's undulating, it's uh, and right in the centre, right in the middle, is Mount Zion. And it's sort of strategically impenetrable. You know, a very good place to build a city in some senses. And it's surrounded by all these hills, which makes it um, impenetrable. You know, it took a lot to take Jerusalem, and many have, and many did, but it's a difficult place uh, to take. And it's not a metaphor so much now, uh, I hope no English teachers in the room will correct me, I was never really good at this stuff, I think it's a simile now. We are as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. So there's that idea that God's people are in the middle, in the epicenter, just like the temple, just like Mount Zion. And the hills are a ring of sort of support and defence, and that's what God does for us. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. So regardless of where we are or what we're going through in life, we, if we trust in the Lord, know that we have his support. And it's kind of only when you step out of trusting from the Lord that you, you lose that sense of knowing that he's in control. Trust in God. Trust in his support. He surrounds you. And that idea of us being right in the centre, right in the epicentre of God's presence, is really key in the light of Christ. As we become living sacrifices, we become temples to the Holy Spirit as individuals and as a church. It's quite fascinating. Uh, how this changes in the light of Christ. When troubles and temptations come. 
So, the scepter of wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous. For then the righteous might use their hands to do evil. Now, these pilgrims are on the road travelling to Jerusalem because they didn't live in Jerusalem. We can presume that, can't we? This was um, a well-travelled route, maybe, but they lived some distance away from the capital. And I get a sense that they knew also the dangers and the temptations that might work there. Because I can imagine Jerusalem was a bit of a party town. Um, or turned that way. I can imagine it being. Um, it, it soured. And I think we read in the Old Testament, you know, you had temple prostitutes and things like that. Uh, so these pilgrims are walking on the road and they know the dangers and the temptations um, that lurk there. They knew that the holiest city on earth could sometimes be led by people and a culture that should know better. And they're preparing themselves. They're trusting in whom their strength lies. They're trusting in whom they are surrounded by. And I think that's how we have to walk. In life, we live in a country that has a a legal framework. Should we say that you know is loosely based on our Christian heritage as a nation? Um, there still is that Christian folk religion about uh, Great Britain. Um, people still think by default the Church of England. <laughs> It's and that's it's strange that because they never darken. Well, they go to church three times in their life when they hatch, when they march, and when they get dispatched. But you know, there's a claim on Christianity in this world. And I think many immigrants um, will uh, and probably recognise this that when they arrive in Great Britain, it isn't as Christian as they thought it would be like. Um, but hey-ho. But this is the culture and this is the society that we live in. And we're surrounded by temptations and pressures to change our ways, to change the way we think, to change what we do. And that's hard if you want to remain faithful. It's hard when you're having hard times trying to, because you have remained faithful. It would be so much easier not to be a Christian. I might even have a few more answers if I weren't a Christian. <laughs> well, that one out. But the Lord's test, the Lord's measure is how much am I trusting? Remember when we were studying Genesis and we got to Abraham? You know, we, 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 we all, you know, he wasn't always a great man. He lied about his wife and let Pharaoh sleep with her, you know. And yet God still called him righteous. Why? Because 
He had faith in God. And that is what makes you righteous. That you trust in God. And it produces righteousness. God uh, credits you as being righteous. But yeah, our society and uh, our culture is pervasive. And we have to be on guard, just as these pilgrims were. Lord, let justice flow. Lord, do good to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart. But those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with evil boots. That's justice, isn't it? The good get good. The bad get bad. That's justice. You get what you deserve. If you're good, you get good. And if you're bad, you get bad. Oh, but how often have we experienced that in our lives? How often have we always been rewarded for good? How often have we always been punished for bad? In fact, sometimes it's topsy-turvy, isn't it? You get rewarded for being bad and you get punished for being good. And yet this sense of justice is another eternal aspect of God, this forever business. That you will, we will get what we deserve in the end. And God will do good to his people. Now, Ah, it's easy to say, Anthony, do you know what's going on in my life at the moment? I get it. There's lots of difficult things in my life at the moment. But to trust in God and to know that I'm standing on bedrock and I'm surrounded in his presence and that I am in him and he is in me um, is a real reassurance. This idea of being good, you know, it's the effects of Christ in our lives, okay, is demonstrated by our good works. It's not your good works that affects whether Christ is in your life. Simply put, all your good works before you became a Christian, worth nothing. Now, in the light of Christ, as Christ changes your heart and you are destined for good works set out before you, um, good works matter. And if you want to know how much Christ has penetrated someone, then I have to just see what they do, how they live their lives, what good do they bring. It's a hallmark of Christ's effect in people's lives. Now, appearances can be deceiving, can't they? Let's not kid ourselves. Um, I pretend to be a scoundrel in public, but I'm a saint in private. <laughs> I'm of the world, but I'm not in it. No one will ever be able to judge and know your heart. I say that, but God does. 
God knows your heart. And when God comes into us, he renews our soul. He renews our very, our very being. He gives us an upright heart. Because hitherto then, before God saves us, our hearts are set to be downright hearts. Shackled to the burden of sin and, and life. But our upright hearts are free and they rise. And as we conform to be more like Christ. And so there is, there is a warning here. Not just for them, but for us. Not just for God's people, but for all people. It's that notion of justice. There's a warning. All crooked hearts. The Lord will. Just trust that. The Lord will. So finally... The Lord in whom I am secure. Going on holiday tomorrow, my my big VW Sharan feels like Buckaroo. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much space you've got, you're always going to fill it. And um, hopefully I'm going to go and nip into town uh, after church on Sabbath and um, buy some top trump cards. For the girls. I love top chumps. <laughs> <laughs> and you can get them in all sorts of subjects. So I'm going to try and find a Peppa Pig one for Lois. And something to do with unicorns for um, Nicole. Oops. She asked, she asked me, are unicorns real? And I said, no, they're just uh, skinny rhinoceroses. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and I'll probably find supercars for me. What, what do you think Alison might like? <coughs> no, I want to get. <laughs> That's two cards one card for peace, one card for quiet. Come on, what, what do you think Alison might like? <coughs> eh? No, I have to think hard. Anyway, top trumps. I think they're brilliant. Um, but you know what? I can't find a top trumps deck with like Christian heroes. I'd love to find one of them. First card, Matt Redman. Key attributes. <laughs> Key attribute, 9 out of 10 worship. Weakest attribute. 3 out of 10, personal hygiene. <laughs> That's not true. Don't put that online. Uh, <laughs> or, uh, I don't know, um, Rob Bell. Key attribute, 9 out of 10, gifted communicator. Someone, find some more of me. Charles Wesley, key attribute, Hymns, yeah, 9 out of 10 for hymns and theology. Anyone else? 
We must have some Christian heroes and role models. Francis Havergal. Who? Francis Havergal. Frank, key attribute, please. Piety. Piety. Yeah. Great. I might have that card. You know what? If I was to design a top Trump's card deck, the whole deck would be full of dead people. Because they can't let you down. I've always taught that policy. I, I, I read lots of contemporary Christian literature. But I try not to sort of idolize for want of a better expression uh, until they're dead. Then I know they can't let me down. So, Charles Wesley, definitely in my bag. Uh, Luther, key attribute, aggression. Because <laughs> he was savage. So was Calvin, actually, but in the right way. Um, but my power card, my power card for top trumps would be St. Patrick. He chased all the snakes out of Ireland. You know that? That's some power, that. <laughs> it's a myth. But he was a mighty, mighty man for God. And uh, someone that, you know, it was the Billy Graham of his time, if not greater. He was a massive man for God. Now, we have this temptation, don't we, as Christians, to get sort of embroiled with society and culture and to find balance what we do. Uh, every generation has to do it when we um, bring the gospel, when we pick up our call uh, and make the gospel fresh and presentable and new to every generation. That's really difficult because our formula is Christ plus nothing. It's in Christ alone. And yet, as we make the gospel presentable to this generation, there is a temptation to sprinkle a little bit of glitter on it. You know, and to, to add or to remove, just to make it a little bit more palatable. And when we do that, we go wrong. My um, nana used to say, Anthony, you can't polish muck. <laughs> but no, nana, definitely not. Um, I, and I used to avoid, but yes, but you can't sprinkle glitter on it. <laughs> now, I say that because. There are some expressions of Christianity that I wonder. I wonder if it's all glitter or not. There are some expressions of Christianity that are contemporary and vibrant and faithful and true. But it's, it's hard, you know, to, to weave our way and to stay with that formula, Christ plus nothing. Because our message is simple. Our message is this, that God loved the world enough. He loved the world enough that he sent his son to save us from ourselves. 
but like in his own song, his own self, or part of himself, die so that justice can be done, so that mercy could be shown. And so there's a calling now to all people in this world to turn our downward hearts upwards and to believe. And it's only those that abide in Christ who seek his support, who surround themselves with him, who find security and peace. As we are in him, so he is in us. My uh, power card, top trump St. Patrick's card. Okay. St. Patrick wrote prayers. He was very Celtic influence Christianity. Uh, he's got a very famous prayer. This is God's providence, nothing to do with me. Um, you actually have the prayer on the front, which is amazing. Um, a very famous prayer called the prayer front of the motor shoot. Um, the prayer of St. Patrick's. Now, there are many uh, different iterations of this. Um, and I'm going to read one to you. Uh, and then, uh, when we get to that bit, uh, please join me, if you'd like. And we'll close in prayer. We arise today for the strength of heaven, light of the sun, splendour of the fire, speed of lightning, swiftness of the wind, depths of the sea, stability of the earth, firmness of the rock. We arise today for God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me. God's wisdom to guide me. God's eyes to look before me. God's ear to hear me. God's word to speak for me. God's hand to guard me. God's way to lie before me. God's shield to protect me. God's hosts to save me. Afar and anear alone or in a multitude. Christ, shield us today against wounding. We say together, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in the eye that sees me, Christ in the ear that hears me. We arise today for the mighty strength of the Lord of creation. Amen. Amen.